Before we begin today's episode of Bride to Be, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past and present whose lands were never ceded. Welcome to Bride to Be. I'm Megan. And I'm Taylor Broad. Whether you're planning a wedding, you're in a bridal party, or you're just here for the tea, we're here to walk down the aisle with you. Whatever that may look like. Hi everyone, I've come in a bit stressed today, but I feel like this is my safe space. I have a lot of family staying with us from Perth at the moment. I mean, pregnancy doesn't help, but have a very small social battery on a good day. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is like, let's take as long as we can in this podcast so I can stay in this room as long as possible. Yeah, a little zen zone. Mm. But to be fair, you've had a very busy weekend. It has been busy. Yeah. But then again, I look at you and you have a a wedding. So, I mean, that's probably stressful in itself. How are you feeling? Guys, I would say we're probably in crunch time. We're less than three weeks out. Wow. And I stupidly did my bridal shower two weeks before my wedding. So it's a Tuesday (gasps) today. We're coming up on the Sundays, my bridal shower. How exciting though. It is exciting. Did you plan the whole bridal shower or have your bridesmaids done that? So I did all the like venue, all of the logistical stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I said to them, they can host the day. So they can welcome everyone, activities. I said no toilet paper brides, no offence to anyone that does it, but (laughs) I'm just like the cleanup is just going to be horrendous because I've got a lot of people coming. So, yeah, that on top of trying to work out the seating chart, which is due at, well, actually it was due yesterday, (gasps) 5pm. So You better get on to that. Yeah. But let's jump in then so that we can get you home to do your seating plan. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we've got a nice little cringy story for everyone today. I found this killer article where a bridesmaid actually got broken up with by the bride via email. Quite brutal. Yeah, quite brutal. I feel like an email is a real like HR department moment rather than a call or a coffee or a text. It's like I've really done this so that you have no leg to stand on. (laughs) Also, like if someone emailed me, I would genuinely probably miss the email. So I'd be showing up to things or calling them being like, babes, what do you need? And like (laughs) completely missing this email. Okay, so I'm just going to take out key chunks. So basically the email starts off, she's just saying, hey, how you going? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Then she charges in with, I have a massive favour to ask you. This is one of the hardest things I've ever had to ask anyone, but I need to ask you to relinquish your duties as a bridesmaid. Come to the wedding, have a fabulous time and travel in the time you need to without stressing about anything else. When I asked you to be my bridesmaid, I was really hoping that you could be a part of the whole thing. The bachelorette trip, at least the weekend, prep and the full night of the event. A Sunday night flight means you won't be able to be there for the whole wedding. The whirlwind nature of what your travel has become just won't work with the duties as a party member. I'm so, so sorry. She then goes on to say, please don't feel like you're letting me down. I am asking you to do this. I love you and value our friendship so much and I fully understand that you need to prioritise school. I want you to focus on that without also worrying about any extra wedding worries. That is gaslighting 101 because she's saying I'm taking this away from you. Mm. However, we're going to put this on you because you probably should feel bad because you said yes originally and now I don't feel like you're up for the role. Mm. It's almost reverse psychology. Yeah, it is. It is a master gaslighting move. And look, in the bride's defence, because mm. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, she probably does believe that she's doing the right thing. the girl a favour. Yeah. I think it's also for her 
like we said, it's your wedding, not your bridesmaid's wedding. Mm. So some people go into it with a really big expectation of what is expected as a bridesmaid. Totally. And maybe if that is you and that's how you see your wedding and your bridal party, it should really be a point of conversation when you ask them Mm. to be in your bridal party and say, look, I need a commitment of a week. Can you take that much time off work or school? I'm going to need you to be at this, 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 and this. And that's what I need from my bridesmaids rather than a happy open the box moment of, oh, I got you all these gifts, be my bridesmaids. And someone's like, yes, of course. And then four months down the track, they're like, I actually can't afford a week off work or school. And then this becomes a situation. Mm, I completely agree. So the letter is what it is, but there was a little chunk that made me really laugh. So she said, I know that this is incredibly awkward, but there is a possibility that I might be able to have someone step into the role and assume your duties. Could you please mail the jumpsuit to me? I'll Venmo you because this is from America. So I'll transfer you the postage cost (gasps) of the jumpsuit. Just let me know the total. So she's replacing her. So I think that's where it gets awkward because it's kind of like fair enough if, you know, the vibes were just a bit off and you're like, look, it feels weird having you stand up here with me. But she's got someone else to fill in the duties (laughs) and she's just done a control C, control V. She just pasted someone else in. I mean, I was the one saying a few episodes ago that if you don't think someone is bringing the vibes to your wedding and you don't want to crop them out of photos in two years' time, don't have them there. I'm torn. I just mm. think the email wasn't the right way to go about it. Yeah. I completely agree with her decision because, like I said, she wants this commitment from her bridesmaids. This particular bridesmaid isn't able to give that commitment. Completely fair. However, an email? Yeah, it's a cold touch point. Maybe it's, that could have been like a visit. Oh, no, but they're in different states. That could have been a, a phone call, call, a FaceTime. If she's someone as important to you to be asked in the first place, you definitely talk on the phone. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, the email, stop emailing. Or if you do email, just send a text and be like, guys, I know I, I look a bit crazy, but I've sent all info in an email. Don't just cold call with the email. <laughs> Speaking of photoshopping photos, though. Yes. So one of my girlfriends got married within the last two years and she had her husband's brother's partner in all of the photos. Oh, no. They've since broken up, but the partner was right smack bang in the middle of all the photos. <laughs> so now she has to kind of work out what to do with these photos because it's wow. like the core family photos that this person is in. I saw a TikTok the other day of a photographer and it was top tips that they have for weddings. Mm. And you see her take the family photo and yeah. then she says, all partners, please get out of the photo. <laughs> and everyone's sort of looking around. She's like, we need backup. She dead set does that at every wedding and I respect her it's because so the funny. bride's not going to want to be the person saying, hey, can all partners that have right. only been here for a year please get out of my family photos just in case we don't keep you around. Yep. But if you've got your photographer doing it, what are they going to do? They're not going to argue with a photographer. Yeah. And, you know, you could always just be like, I can't believe she said that. So Jokes. maybe just say to your photographer before the wedding, hey, my brother, my sister have just got a boyfriend, yep. lovely guy, could get married in seven years' time, could also break up in two. Yep. Can we make sure there's photos without them or yeah. with them on the edge? Yeah, it just saves the photoshopping hassle later on. It's expensive. Photoshopping is expensive. It is. I did the good old, there was someone that I didn't really want a photo with on the day and yeah. I just they were on the edge and I just cropped them out. Nice. Just the Easy, chop. Just straight yeah. down. <laughs> or just chuck them on the end if it's not too obvious. <laughs> Height order. Yes. <laughs> 
Today, we are joined by Sabina Reid, who is a psychologist, speaker, media commentator, and co-host of the Human Cogs podcast. Welcome, Sabina. Hi, thanks for having me. Do you know what? I'm actually quite jealous that we are doing this episode now, having already had my wedding, because I was the bride that had nosebleeds, rashes, crying all the time, but this was like in the first two months of the wedding. So I just want to talk through what are some of the things that you think can be really stressful and create maybe an environment like that right after getting proposed? I mean, I could almost return the question your way because you experienced all of these stressors. And I think it's important to actually acknowledge what is your typical stress baseline. So if you don't mind, if I lie you down on the couch for a Go moment, for <laughs> have you had a history of high anxiety? Yes. yes. So it's pretty clear that you're saying you were really quite anxious, quite reactive to this event in your life. But I was guessing, and you've just confirmed that you've probably felt this way about multiple events in your life. Yes. Bit of a people pleaser in the sense of, will I have the perfect wedding? And newsflash, <laughs> no. Uh, but you don't need a master's in psychology to tell you that, no, you won't have a perfect wedding. You won't have a perfect marriage and you won't have a perfect life. And you will keep having nosebleeds if you are seeking perfection. I'm being sort of facetious, but if you're seeking perfection in the day of your wedding or in your relationship, short or long term, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. And if you put that on top or overlay that on a history of anxiety, we need to do some things to shift that because this is a podcast about the stresses of getting married, but that is one event in your life and you will have multiple events that will create stress for you in your life. And relationships are probably the number one thing that creates stress in our lives, not just with a significant other, but with in-laws, with friends, with colleagues, with our own children, with another human. You know, the space between humans is fraught. It's filled with joy. It's filled with love, but it's also filled with tension and, and challenges. So I don't want to burst the wedding bubble, but I think we do need to probably broaden the lens here a little bit and think about how do we respond to stress in general? Because that's probably going to be a pretty good indicator of how you're going to respond to a day like this. And I will also say that on the top 10 stressors of life events, if you follow, it's only one framework for anxiety and for looking at stress, but we know that getting married is in the top 10 stressful events. Wow. So is being put in prison. So is uh, having a partner <laughs> pretty on par. dying. So wow. um, I think we know that this is stressful for a lot of people. And the reason probably is more to do with what the wedding represents, yeah. what marriage represents, and less to do with it being akin to being put in the slammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you touched on the fact that when we're stressed and overwhelmed and anxious in these, you know, planning periods, that we can find ourselves in, I guess, tense situations with not only our partner, but also just extended family, friends. If we do find ourselves in a bit of a tense period with our loved ones, do you have any strategies on how we can kind of stop, reset ourselves and I guess work through those mm. times of tension? I think before we get to sort of the add water and stir relaxation techniques, <laughs> it's important to really drill down on what does this marriage represent? What does this wedding day represent? And you were saying that you wanted it to be perfect. What was it about the wedding 
that you wanted to be perfect and what did that represent for you? I feel like I should be paying you. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll give you a Medicare rebate. I think for (laughs) me the stress came from I so badly wanted to elope and my partner wanted the wedding. And there was definitely this pull between I want him to be happy and get the wedding he wants but also where is that compromise in I don't want and need all these people around me on my wedding day for me it is just about the two of us he is an only child and I think he wanted that to be a really special time with his family so once we broke down why we both wanted these different weddings the stress did lesson the anxiety did lessen and we did come to a happy medium where it was just a very intimate small wedding wasn't eloping we did have people there which was great but yeah I guess for me what a wedding meant was just the two of us and it probably was because of the anxiety and things like that I didn't necessarily want to walk down an aisle with all these people staring at me and I didn't feel the need to have to do a first dance in front of people and things like that, which to him was so exciting. So yeah, it was just little differences like that, that was causing the stress and the idea of, I don't need 200 people there and a big festival. Whereas he was more like the more the merrier, (laughs) which was hard. Mm -hmm. And these issues came to the fore through the planning of a wedding Mm. and the parameters that you each would have chosen if you had your own way. But these are issues that will show themselves across a lifetime. And you've tapped into some really important ones there. And I am going to drill into them because I don't think this is just about the wedding that you had. I think you've articulated beautifully the differences that arise in relationships for all of us. We've all got different family of origin experiences. We all have different sets of values. We have different dreams. We have different expectations and we have different templates of how families and relationships operate. And you've just explained some of them when you said that your partner's, he's an only child and something about, I'm just guessing, I have never met him, but something about being an only child means that it's really important to him to have a tribe around him. I imagine he had times when he felt really lonely as an only child and the only people he really had to attach his wagon to were his parents. So the idea of celebrating this relationship and this important day in his life, he wants to gather the, you know, as big a tribe as possible because that's something that he missed in his growing up. And you, on the other hand, and I don't know what birth order, certainly not everything, but I don't know what number are you of how many I'm the oldest, just of one brother, but my dad's one of eight. So I can see Mm -hmm. what you're saying in the terms of I've had a lot of family around me. So maybe that's not as much of a need for me. In fact, perhaps, if you don't mind me saying, it's been a pressure. <laughs> yes, it it's has. It's added complexities because you I have watched to the family all blow these up. people <laughs> and you've seen a lot of conflict and you wanted to remove that complexity and that conflict and those pressures on your special day to simplify, to just be together, to just be the two of you. So this is a perfect example of how mm. if we miss these influences, these younger year templates, then we focus on the here and now. We can get really pulled into, well, you not listening to me and I didn't want anyone and you wanted everyone and I wanted a you know a big event and you don't even love me because you just wanted to elope <laughs> and all, you know. And, and Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not saying that. Yes. We're not saying that. We're trying to express, do you see who I am? Do you understand me? Are you able to hear me? Can you soothe me? Can you listen to me? Do you get me? These questions are going to come up not 
just for significant life events like getting married and having children, but moving house, changing jobs, look, even maybe putting IKEA furniture together, buying a couch, whatever it is, (laughs) we're trying to make sense of each other's differences and wanting to feel validated and seen. So, yes, we are talking about the big day here, but I think it's important to go back and if you're listening and you're thinking, I'm out of my mind with stress and anxiety around my upcoming wedding, what is it representing to you? And what do you think it's representing to your partner? And if you want to, you know, draw out a little bit further, what might it be representing to other people that are causing some kind of stress or at least throwing something in the pot in the way of probably parents, in-laws, maybe Mm. best friends, all the other punters that are throwing their hat in the ring to share their thoughts on your big day. Because these patterns, these dilemmas and these challenges are not going to end once you (laughs) run off to your honeymoon, whether you have five people at your wedding or 500. As a couple, how can you, I guess, establish some healthy boundaries with parents, friends, siblings, whoever it might be that are kind of trying to input themselves in places where you might not want them during specifically a wedding planning process, Mm. but then I guess just in life as well. Yeah, because boundaries are really a reflection of values. Mm. And often we don't assert boundaries. And when we don't, we know what that feels like. We know mm-hmm. what it feels like to feel stepped over, to feel not heard, to feel that when we've spoken it hasn't been respected or understood. If we work backwards from there, I think a good question to ask is what was a boundary that was breached that really got to me? Yep. And to make sense of what was it mm-hmm. that triggered me in that moment? Was it that no one understood me or my needs weren't being met or no one listened to me or I felt unimportant or I felt small or I felt ignored or I felt stupid or whatever it was, was probably a part of an experience that you've had before, which is why it's so triggering. Yeah. So first of all, to understand why things trigger us, because we're so quick to point the finger out, you didn't listen, you didn't do what I asked you to do. But when we turn the finger back on ourselves and ask the question, what was happening for me in that moment Mm. that I didn't speak up for myself? What have I learned about the times in my life when I did speak up for myself? Mm. Perhaps it didn't go well. Perhaps someone left you when you spoke up for yourself, when you asserted yourself. And so you've learned to match boundaries and assertiveness with a negative outcome. Yeah. So try and make sense of what your patterning is around boundaries. And once you've done that, you can make some sense of that. Boundaries are really a way to honour and articulate the values that we hold most dear. Because if they're around values that we don't care about, then why would we bother, you know, creating a clear and set boundary around them. So they're not around just nitpicking or control or asserting myself over you. They, because the conversations or the issue, the issue at play really matters to us. So I think that might be, you know, again, an invitation for your listeners to be thinking about, yeah, which ones really matter and which ones don't. And once you know which ones matter, I think it's important to be able to say, I've got a history of not really feeling heard and this day really matters to me. And so I would love it if you could try to make sense of what's important to me on this day. So almost being a bit vulnerable. Yeah, totally vulnerable and, you know, step away from the napkin, so to speak, or whatever the little issue might be at hand, how you're folding your napkin and where the candelabra sits and, you know, how the DJ is going to get everyone on the dance floor, whatever it is. It's often not about that, but what really sits under that is the things that matter most to me and how have the things that matter most to me over a lifetime 
been ignored or been honoured or been supported. And that probably is what is driving this conversation. Sometimes it's hard even to be vulnerable with yourself. So when you've been triggered in the moment, it can be the hardest thing ever to just admit to yourself, I'm feeling really disappointed in someone else or in myself or whatever it is. Mm. So you can't even get to the point of articulating it to someone else because you can't even like admit it to yeah, yourself. Process it. I've been on. a huge victim of that before. What's an example of that? Yeah, so I was like to Joey, we have to get this DJ sorted. We have to get the DJ sorted. We have to get the DJ sorted. I just assumed that he would have known, okay, so I'm going to have to call him about two months out. I have to make a, you know, an appointment to meet with him, have to start thinking about songs, have to start doing this sort of stuff. And then it got to like two weeks ago and I was like, so when's the appointment? He's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't actually, haven't done anything. And I've gone off because I'm like, I've given you one task, one task for this wedding. Is that true? Oh, look, I've given him a few. <laughs> and one and he reacted yeah. the exact same. Look, so I'm yeah. feeling this on another level. We're renovating at the same time. So he's kind of taken on the house and I've kind of taken on the wedding. But we're kind of across both projects. But anyway, in the moment, I completely stonewalled him because I was just like, oh, I'm better at you than doing things. And I went into my like ego trip. But then when I stopped, I was like, I was just disappointed that I asked you to do something and you didn't do it. So then I felt let down and then I felt like I couldn't rely on you. When I'm like, when I look at my day to day, I can rely on you heaps. But this one little thing, because I'm heightened, sent me. Mm. So then when I could just stop and was like, no, I was just disappointed, but I was too like embarrassed to say that, then I could kind of communicate to him. And he was like, oh, I didn't realise it was such a big deal. He's like, I'll get it sorted this week. Mm. But we didn't really find a common ground until I could really communicate how I was even feeling in the first place. Yeah, that's a great example. And sharing what you're calling vulnerability, but what I just call honesty, that you yeah. felt disappointed, that you felt like you were carrying. I mean, often we feel really stressed, mm. not just for what the event represents or the issue represents, which we're talking about now, but also because it's just simply overloading. There's mm. too much of it. Yeah. So we might be able to cope with it, but just the volume of it is too great. And so we feel overwhelmed and mm -hmm. we think we're going to drop a ball because this is too many balls. In yeah. There. And totally. you're wanting your partner to see that your load is too great. Mm -hmm. And really what you're wanting him to do is to take one of those balls away. And some of this is actually around trust. Yeah. Do I trust that this person has the commitment and the capability? Because mm -hmm. you don't want someone to say they're going to do a task if you don't think they can. Yeah. So the, the capability and the commitment to follow through. Yep. And they're probably telling you, Joey is telling yeah. you, I got this. Is his track record one of has he got this or does he often sort of, you know, crash? Yeah. <laughs> before he gets to the finish line. Do, do tell. <laughs> nah, he does deliver, yeah. Mm. But you don't want him to deliver at the 11th hour. Yeah, you? that's more my thing. Or because I'm like, if I, we need to make any tweaks, yes, you want, we can't. Yeah, there's no slack in the system. Yeah. You're leaving it to the last There's minute. no like buffer room there. Mm. So that's worth explaining probably yeah. to, to him. You want, I guess, more reliability in him. Now, this is something that's worth communicating that yeah. I know that you've got the capacity, I know you've got the capability and I know you're committed to me and our wedding and our life together. Yeah. When you leave it to the last minute, it's really triggering for me. Yes. I own that. That's my story. It's mm -hmm. not yours. And, you know, if you really understood that, 
maybe would it'll it be, be easier to overcome would it be possible for you to, to podcast <laughs> yeah i know we're gonna have to pay we're gonna have to pay you spina after this yeah but yeah. again these are themes that actually are not just wedding specific no should we go into the scenarios yeah so what we're hoping to get from you is somewhat of a maybe a drafted script of if you were listening and you were in this situation what might you be able to say to kind of diffuse the situation or handle it appropriately. The first situation we've got is mother-in-law wants to wear the same or similar dress as your wedding dress slash outfit. I mean, that's just bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) Does she want to wear a a white dress? (laughs) (laughs) Possibly for the example, let's just say, sure. All right, I shouldn't say that's bonkers. I mean, that could represent so many different things, Mm. that she doesn't want to give up her youth, that she loves her son and she wants (laughs) to love it. You know, we could go down all kinds of Freudian. (laughs) Yes, yes, we could look at anything. But Or is it that she likes the designer that you've used? Mm. or what? There's some commonality. There's something there. Or is it a total coincidence? It's possible. But you'll never know if you don't ask. Right. So to have the communication. Now, you might not have a great relationship with your mother-in-law-to-be. You might have a wonderful relationship. Your partner may be close to her. Your partner may not be close to her. And all of these factors are going to play in to the kind of conversation you're going to have. Mm-hmm. But in tune with the rest of the conversation we've had today, this is not the only time you're going to communicate with your mother-in-law-to-be. Yeah. Surely there are going to be other times when you're going to have, you know, perhaps loaded or difficult or tricky conversations. Mm-hmm. So how you approach this one is important because it's not going to be the only one you have. I think in this case it's okay to say, you know, I know we're all really excited about our big day and I know that I want to feel good, I know that you want to feel good and we're excited excited to have everyone there and you're such a big part of our celebration. I wonder if we can talk about what everyone can wear so that, you know, we feel good and we, well, I don't know that I'd say different, but we feel good in ourselves because really what you're talking about as a bride-to-be is that you're not going to feel good when she steps out in the same outfit. (laughs) So we feel good in ourselves. And then what do you think is going to make you feel great, Mm. mama-in-law-to-be? Yeah. Uh, And let me share with you what, you know, I'd love to share with you what's going to make me feel good. And I want to hear what's going to make you feel good too. I like that. Yeah, I really like that. I think we've got time for one more of these scenarios. And Mm. the most common one I think we see occurring quite often is family or parents wanting to add extra guests on that maybe you aren't close with, half the time you haven't even met. What would be the best advice for handling that situation? I think I would talk to your parents or in-laws and ask them, what is it that you want from this day? And I'd love to, same thing. So I'd love to share with you what we want from this day. And we're curious, we want to hear from you what you want from this day. And if they raise the idea that they want you to meet great Auntie Flo who <laughs> you've never met, well, maybe that's what that, why they're inviting people you don't know. Mm. They will have their own ideas of what a wedding looks like. They may be so proud of you and of the person you're marrying and they almost want to show you off, celebrate their children with pride and with love in this setting. And mm. perhaps if you hear it that way, it doesn't feel like they're encroaching on your space or ignoring yeah. your needs. So I think, again, is to ask what is important to you about our guests? Mm. Who do you really want to be there? Why do they matter to you on this day? And can we share with you the guests that matter to us? 
And hopefully through a conversation like that, you'll get a better understanding that they're not trying to hijack or maybe they haven't thought about it. Maybe, as is often the case, (laughs) they are repeating the wedding experience they had and maybe their parents invited every man and their dog and so they've never really stopped to think about it. They think that this is a huge celebration and if they stop to think about it and to think about what matters most to them and what matters most to you, they may revisit that. Yeah. All too often I think we make assumptions We make assumptions about our partner, our parents, our friends, even about ourselves, as you said. We're all doing it in some capacity and if we don't have a conversation, we'll never know. Well, I guess the takeaway from today was set your values and be vulnerable. Sabina, thanks so much for joining us today. We learned a lot. If you wanted to listen to Sabina's podcast, just search Human Cogs. Otherwise, we will, I'm sure, get you back on again next time. Sabina, thanks for coming. Yeah, great to chat to you guys and good luck with your big day, but really with your big life. For this week's segment of Shit They Didn't Tell You, it's pretty niche and it might not apply to a lot of people. Okay. But it's also kind of trendy at the moment, so it probably will. So if you're having disposable cameras at your event, because I actually had these at my engagement party. Mm Mm-hmm. We had the disposable cameras and I thought, amazing. So many people had them. So many people had them. But make sure that you have the flash on because especially if you're in like a bit of a dimly lit room, like a disposable camera without a flash, without a lot of natural light, the photos are terrible. Like we literally couldn't use, I reckon, 85% of them. So just toggle that little thing on, make sure the flash is on or just like have it on ready to go for the guests. That would be my little helpful tip because half of that film that we paid for, we literally just chucked out. No, I agree. We had a probably about 25 disposable cameras mm. and I would say about 80% of the photos went in the bin. Stop. So it wasn't ideal. I had seen all these TikToks where it was all the film photos and they were so cool and vibey and I was like, oh, my God, why do we even need a photographer? Thank God we had a photographer yeah. because these came back shocking. Yeah. Like half the time I didn't even know who was in the photo. Nah. And I would say get someone to follow you around with the film photos because yeah. there was not one photo of me on the film photo. It was just everyone else. So groups would obviously get them and then keep them with themselves for the night. Yeah. Great. I don't care what you were doing <laughs> at my wedding. I want film photos of me. We should have <laughs> GPS trackers on them and they can only go to a certain vicinity <laughs> of you. Only takes X amount of photos of other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, face recognition. Mm. But, yeah, I genuinely thought that I was just going to look like this vintage, amazing, like I'd have this collection, you know, of photos. But, you yeah, know, I did Just a blur. I had heaps of my nieces' Bless. selfies with the flash on. At least they got the flash memo. The next generation, they know what's up. <laughs> yes. Another tip I would probably say is when you give out the cameras, make sure that it's fully used before you give out the next one because we had so many come back with four photos taken on one camera and then you're kind of wanting the photos so you're going and getting this film developed and half the film hasn't even been used. So really just keep an eye on making sure that they're fully used before they get put back into the pile because then people just assume that they're done. Actually, I have a disposable camera like that that's still going that we haven't developed yet that I know there's about a year's worth of content on there. (laughs) That's fun though. It's like a surprise a year later. Yeah, there's the engagement on there. There's like birthdays on there, Christmas, my other friend's engagement party. There's just, yeah, it's a big mismatch. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Bride to Be. If you want more info on anything we discussed today, feel free to check out the episode notes or slide into Adore Beauty's DMs. If you don't want to miss a beat, be sure to subscribe in your podcast app to be notified when we drop our next app. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating. And of course, don't forget to share this with anyone in your world that you think would like to listen. See you next time.